Welcome to Palace Confidential, the weekly podcast all about the royal family where we assemble some of Britain's most fabulous experts and commentators and delve into the news coming out of the palaces to keep you royally clued up. I'm your host, Joe Elvin, editor of the Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Palace Confidential on video. And welcome to Palace Confidential, your weekly look at all things royal brought to you from Mail Plus. I'm Natalie Powell, standing in for Joe Elvin this week. Well, we've got loads to discuss this week, so let's kick things off by hearing from the woman in the know, the Daily Mail's royal editor, Rebecca English. Now, Rebecca, you're at a special royal event right now. Tell us what's happening there. Yes, so as you can see from my backdrop, I'm in quite an unusual place this morning. I'm at Trinity Boy Wharf, which is in the heart of the City of London, in London Docklands, where the Prince of Wales, the Duchess of Cornwall and the Duchess of Cambridge are undertaking a rare joint engagement together. Now, it's in aid of the Prince's Foundation, which has had not such great publicity over recent weeks because of the Cash for Honour scandal, but actually does amazing work preserving heritage British arts and crafts and that's what they're focusing on today. So Charles, Camilla and Kate will be touring the centre here and they will be chatting to students and even getting to try their hands at some sewing. Um, Kate was invited because she has a shared love of arts with her father-in-law, the Prince of Wales. But I also think it's quite interesting timing because, of course, this weekend is Accession Weekend, which is when the Queen marks her accession to the throne. It was the moment that her late father, King George VI, died and she uh, officially stepped into his shoes. Um, And there'll be a lot to discuss on next week's programme about that. Um, But I think it's quite interesting because it shows that there is after the kind of, I don't know, the, the, the kind of acrimony and uh, the discord of recent years, that there is some harmony and there is some cohesion amongst the remaining members of the royal family moving forwards. Well, speaking of Accession Day, are there any big plans for this weekend to mark the anniversary? Accession Day is always quite a tricky one for Buckingham Palace because although it marks, especially this year, you know, the Queen's, the start of the Queen's Uh, platinum jubilee in her 70 years on the throne for her it's a very personally sad occasion because of course it it marks the moment she lost her very very much loved father but there will be some very special stuff going on this weekend unfortunately it's embargoed so i can't tell you much too much about it but there will be a lot to discuss in next week's program and let's turn to a story that you hinted at last week but couldn't tell us the duchess of cambridge has a sporty new job tell us more about that Yes, I'm sorry we couldn't discuss it last week, but yes, this week uh, the Duchess of Cambridge was unveiled as the new patron of England Rugby and uh, English Rugby League, Um, and she launched it with a visit to Twickenham, which is the home of uh, English Rugby Union, where she, to be fair, she's a really good sport. She took part in everything, so she was dressed down in her England tracky bottoms and top, and she took part in line-outs, in scrums, I mean, you name it, she did it. Um, And I think there was a real feeling of optimism uh, for the uh, sport after losing uh, Prince Harry as their patron and he was a very committed patron to have somebody who is so enthusiastic and will bring a kind of fresh aspect to this to, to the sport and also look to kind of plug the, the the rapidly growing women's game as well. 
and Camilla might have a new prestigious role too. This hasn't been officially announced yet, but we are expecting the Duchess of Cornwall to be handed Meghan's major leftover patronage, which is to be patron of the National Theatre. That was given to her by the Queen, and we're expecting uh, Camilla to be announced as to be stepping into her shoes any day now. Well, you mentioned Meghan there. Now, she and Harry have been caught up in another row with Spotify this week. What more can you tell us about that? Yes, we still yet to see any content really on Spotify from Harry and Meghan, but it is still causing a controversy. And this involves a very uh, notorious comedian in the US called Joe Rogan. He's not particularly well known here, I don't think. Um, but he has a very, very successful podcast with Spotify. Um, he has been propagating some anti-vaccination views, which have caused a real upset. And as a result, some very famous names, including the musician Neil Young, have decided to withdraw their content from the streaming giants. There was a lot of pressure on Harry and Meghan to say something about this. They have. They made clear that they are concerned about it too. And it's an issue they raised back in April with the streaming giant bosses. But they also made clear that they were not willing to uh, join the kind of exodus of people and that they would stay and continue working with Spotify. Um, obviously, there's two streams of thought, I think, on this. Is One, well, why not be a subversive from within and try and affect change if you're part of an organisation? But, of course, there is a lot of criticism from people who say that they're great advocates of this kind of we're going to campaign against misinformation in the media and yet you know at the first hurdle they decide to take the money over their principles i mean different people will think different things you you know uh, and i'm sure our, our viewers will have differing opinions on it as well thank you rebecca we'll hear more from her in just a moment but for now let's bring in my panel and here this week is mail on sunday's editor at large charlotte griffiths and the daily mail's diary editor richard eden welcome both well richard let's start with you now this row with spotify has really thrust the sussexes back into the spotlight how do you think they've handled it so far well this is a nightmare for harry and Meghan because for years they've gone on about the dangers of misinformation. It's become a real sort of pet cause of theirs. I think Harry's even become a commissioner against, commissioner against disinformation or something like that. And then here they are with Spotify accused of um, spreading disinformation through Joe Rogan's um, very popular podcast. But they've signed a very lucrative deal with Spotify, Harry and Meghan. It's meant to be worth about £18 million or something. So between their principles and money, it's always a question of which will they go for. And it seems they've gone for the money. They've uh, they put out a rather sort of mealy mouth statement about um, the dangers of misinformation, but they've made clear they're sticking with Spotify. Um, so it looks like sort of Joe Rogan's won, really. Mm. And Charlotte, they say that they are monitoring the situation mm. um, and they're looking to Spotify to meet the moment. Yeah. If not much changes, do you think that they'll actually quit and hand the money back? I don't think they'd ever hand the money back, but they could sort of hide behind this because it's been a good year or so since they actually released a podcast. Archie spoke his first words on their last podcast, so that shows how long ago it was. <laughs> and... I think if there have been delays behind the scenes, um, I, ha I have heard there have been problems with the podcast and quite how the formula is going to pan out. They can slightly hide behind this and use it maybe as an excuse for another delay. I don't know. I, um, but um, I don't think they'll be handing the money back. They might just be hiding behind this for a few more months. 
Look, credits to Joe Rogan. I mean, like most people in Britain, I'm not that familiar with his with his work. But from what I hear, he's a really hard worker. He apparently produces about 200 podcasts a year. I mean, my goodness, we've only had one from Harry and Meghan for £18 million. So they're hardly providing value for money, are yeah, they? Yeah, he's probably thinking, God, I churn out this content every week. Who are you guys to, <laughs> to chime in and say, I need to meet my moment with Spotify? If I was Rogan, I'd be asking for a pay rise. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't wait to listen to his next podcast. It's going to be wild. <laughs> Uh, Richard, to one of the stories that you wrote about last week, what can you tell us about Harry and Meghan meeting in secret with a Hollywood power couple? Oh, this is really um, in- intriguing. Um, it's that Harry and Meghan uh, have been courting um, Tom Holland and Zendaya, and they've got quite a lot in common, this couple. You know, um, like Harry, um, Tom's a, a British lad, you know, grew up in London. Um, he's got his American actress um, girlfriend now. Um, and it seems like Harry and Meghan want a bit of their stardust to, you know, rub off on them. Um, it's not clear why they wanted to meet them, and, and the meeting did happen. But um, it could well be that they wanted them on their podcast, because, I mean, uh, you know, how much, what, what a coup it would be for the, particularly their first um, proper podcast to have the hottest Hollywood couple, you know, in the world at the moment would be, would be such a coup for them. But um, it remains to be seen if um, if they've been successful. So um, they, they pulled out quite a few of the big guns for their first podcast. They had Elton John, didn't they? Mm. Um, so they obviously called in a few contacts for that first one, but then it just disappeared into the ether. So probably a wise move if they're courting Tom Holland. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see. But um, from what I was told. Um, Tom and Zendaya were quite bemused by this by this approach because they'd never really met them. A few people have sort of posted pictures of Tom at a polo match where Harry had played, but from what I've heard, he, he didn't talk to him. He, he doesn't know him at all, so it was quite strange. That's, that's classic Meghan. She just randomly contacts people. I mean, she's done this before. I suppose thinking, I'm Meghan Markle, you know, I have every right to contact a total stranger and ask them for a favour. I guess we'll have to see who turns up on their next podcast then. Mm. Uh, Charlotte, a story of yours now. And you wrote um, at the weekend that Meghan Markle could be expanding her business interests further by reviving an old brand. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so the TIG was her uh, blog that she had for two years before meeting Prince Harry, or actually while she'd met Prince Harry, but then she eventually had to shut it down once the relationship became public. And it was one of the first great sacrifices she had to make when she stepped into the royal fold. But it really was her baby and she was really passionate about it. And it was just absolutely chocker full of meganisms. Um, so it was a bit of a goldmine for the press to go through it, I have to say. But she was quite wise probably to, to let it go. But um, she's apparently um, restarting it. And, and we can tell this because she's applied to have the trademark renewed. And she'd let it lapse before and now she hasn't let it lapse, essentially. So um, we're expecting it to be rubber stamped in the next six months or so. And then, you know, it remains to be seen. She could be the next Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, it could be like a Goop website. Yeah, I mean, look how successful Gwyneth Paltrow is being. Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, Megan will be a, it's be a rival. Fortune. And I could quite see Megan doing it because she really cared about the TIG and she thinks she's a wonderful writer. So she, she wants to sort of get her message out there and she doesn't have social media anymore. So the TIG is her outlet for all her very important views. But there see. are some quite controversial things on Gwyneth's website, aren't there? You know, the sort yes. of vagina candles and things oh like my that. God, if Megan starts selling things like that, <laughs> um, I don't think it would go down very well. But she's not a member of the, work, uh, of the royal family. She's not a working member of the royal family. So I suppose she has every right to renew this website. Cash in. Any favourite mechanisms? 
Oh God, the new meeting your moment one was just so classic, Megan. Because what does it mean? It's just yet again a load of all nonsense. With the Tig, she named it after her favourite wine, the Tiganello, and um, there were some quite classic comments about that. I mean, I can't exactly imagine Megan drinking lots and lots of wine and having benders, but um, you know, she likes to make it look like she's all relaxed and cool in her free time. Um, Richard, turning to you now, what did you make of the new roles that Kate and Camilla uh, were taking on? Well, I think in the case of the Duchess of Cambridge, um, I mean, it is a bitter blow to Harry, really. He loved rugby and, uh, you know, there's lots of photos of Harry watching the rugby in the past, sometimes seated next to um, Catherine and William. Um, and so to see that handed over to someone else will be, be difficult for him. But the fact it's the Duchess of Cambridge, I think, is great because I think it will, you know, encourage um, women to take up rugby. It will help sort of broaden the appeal. Um, and you can see from the video of her um, taking part, a really fun video they did, that they want to use it to, um, to make the most of Dutch of Cambridge appeal and, and, and expand. So, so I think overall they might be quietly pleased, actually. They've got um, Catherine instead of Harry. Oh, in the case of um, Camilla's appointment, which hasn't been confirmed yet, but it's been, been rumoured, the National Theatre... Again, I mean, when, when the Queen gave that patronage to uh, Meghan, it was a really big thing, you know, because she was thinking, what could I do that would make Meghan feel welcome? Mm. You know, what would w really work for her? And she thought, as a former actress, making her patron of the Royal National Theatre. And so it was, it was a big thing for her to do. And Meghan, you know, was hardly, there was any time at all that she was involved in it. But I would like to have seen it gone to Prince Edward, who loves the theatre, who actually used to work for Andrew Lloyd Webber's company. And I think he would have been really enthusiastic. I'm sure Camilla will be great. She loves the theatre too. But I, I just feel that they're sort of sidelining um, Edward and his family too. And it's an indication that they're not really seen as part of the future. Well, we'll have to see if that gets confirmed. Mm. Now, Prince Andrew's legal battle continues to make headlines. Let's bring back Rebecca English for the latest on this. Now, Rebecca, both sides asking to speak to witnesses this week. Yes, we've seen some, some small uh, developments, but significant ones in the, the Prince Andrew saga. Um, and as the judge made very clear, when he turned, around, he turned down his motion to dismiss, he wanted to see the kind of discovery process move forward apace. And there have been more requests to speak to witnesses. Now, among the witnesses uh, that uh, Virginia Giffray's uh, side are looking to speak to are people such as Prince Andrew's former equerry. Now, there's a little bit of surprise about this because actually he wasn't equerry at the very significant period that this case concerns. But nonetheless, Virginia's people want to speak to him. And for those who don't know what an equerry is, it's a member of the armed forces that's kind of almost loaned to members of the royal family. And they kind of manage their office, organise their diary. It's a significant link with the military. And obviously the Queen is, is head of the armed forces in this country. Um, so he would have been at the heart of Andrew's operation. But as I say, there is a little bit of surprise that he really wasn't relevant to the period in question. And um, I, I think there are some people slightly wondering if Virginia's team are kind of a bit of a scattergun approach. They see a name. Let's speak to this person because we can, as opposed to whether they have anything relevant to offer. This equerry is Major Robert Olney. What can you tell us about him and what will he be asked? Well, I suppose this is the $64,000 question. What are they seeking to ask from him? But of course, he will have been responsible for Prince Andrew's diary. So can he shed any light on where he would have been, who he would have 
been with? How did he travel there? Was he on uh, Epstein's jet? So I suppose there's probably a lot of um, a lot of practical questions they can ask him. But how much that will shed light on the um, on the case itself is anybody's guess. Well, as witnesses are being called from across Andrew's work life, do you think this will be making those close to Andrew quite nervous? I think the whole process will be making Andrew's team quite nervous because this is a position they never wanted to find themselves in. I mean, I think the people that they've looked they're looking to call so far haven't been a a great surprise but of course this could be just the tip of the iceberg and there still is a fear that they might try to call members of the royal family or andrew's family princess beatrice his ex-wife sarah duchess of york i mean this discovery process can take them anywhere so who knows Thank you, Rebecca. Well, a reminder that Prince Andrew denies all allegations against him. And turning to you now, Charlotte, just for a moment. Now, the pressure has really been on this week. Do you think that it's ratcheted up, especially with witness being called? Is that putting them in the spotlight? Yeah, I think so. So the um, the equerry's now been called in for as a witness. And there was a moment last week where the pressure was slightly off because um, Fergie, Beatrice and Eugenie were li- were counted out of the witness lineup. So he might have breathed a sigh of relief there. But now his equity has been brought into it, so pressure's back on again. And Richard, what did you make of the statement from the lawyer about holding Andrew to account? Well, it all seems to be sort of, it's a lot of manoeuvring. You know, it's a question of whether, um, you know, are they looking, uh, is his accuser, you know, looking to settle or does she want her moment in court? I mean, you know, as things stand, they, they're suggesting that, you know, she wants her moment in court and that she doesn't, she's not just out, out for money. Um, but then others say, you know, maybe they're just holding out for a bigger sum or whatever. Yeah, but as you say, we expect it to continue rumbling on. Charlotte, a word on a story that you wrote about Andrew's ex-wife, Fergie. Now, it doesn't sound like she's planning to maintain a low profile, does it? Yeah, undeterred by the Epstein scandal, she um, is planning to relaunch her website um, and relaunch her YouTube channel, which is where she reads stories for children on YouTube. And of course, she's um, in the position where she believes fully that Andrew's innocent and he maintains his innocence. So why shouldn't she? There's every case for that. But also a source close to Fergie says that um, Dancing on Ice, the US version, has been in touch with her. Now, whether or not she accepts the offer, I don't know. But there's obviously a bit of interest coming over from America. Oh, come on, Andrew's skating on thin ice. On. We don't want Fergie on the ice oh, as that's well. That's a you know. good <laughs> gag, Richard. Um, but she really wants to maintain her credibility, I was told, by um, a representative working for her. So she doesn't want to just, you know, be a, a contestant on these things. She wants to be a judge and she wants to be taken seriously. <laughs> I shall say that with a straight face. (laughs) Well, back to the Duchess of Cornwall now, who has found herself the subject of speculation recently over her future in particular, whether she will ever be made queen. We asked Jess King to investigate and she found that the path to the throne is not as straightforward as it might seem. The new year brought a new honour for Camilla, Duchess of Cornwall, as she was named Royal Lady of the Most Noble Order of the Garter. The long title was a recognition of Camilla's service to the monarchy since she married Prince Charles in 2005. And royal biographer Hugo Vickers says it's the strongest signal yet that the Duchess may one day be a queen. The Order of the Garter was founded in 1348. It's had about a thousand members in its long history. Very few of them are ladies. So it's extremely significant. And I cannot think of a higher accolade um, or 
uh, unifying thing that the Queen could have done or a better indication of her complete confidence in Camilla. When the couple married, out of respect for the late Princess Diana, it was announced that Camilla would be known as Princess Consort, not Queen, when Charles ascends to the throne. However, her decades of service and the recent elevation to one of the nation's most prestigious orders have sparked speculation. She really remained as what you might call the hated mistress right up to the moment that he married her. And after that, it was, whoops, oh gosh, now she's the supportive wife, which of course is something she has proved to be. So yes, I think the idea of saying she would be princess consort was to temper it for the general public. And there may still be people who feel that that is, is what should be stuck to. What I personally feel is that Prince Charles ought to put out a statement specifically saying, yes, she will be called Princess Consort and leave it to, as it were, people like me and other commentators to say, oh, but come on, she's done a good job. Surely she should be queen, at which point he could say, oh, you really think so? Oh, well, fine, splendid. As opposed to actually sort of suddenly imposing it on us, which is, I think, what is actually likely to happen. But not everyone is convinced. According to a YouGov poll conducted in Britain last year, just 14% of the public believe Camilla should be called Queen, with 42% preferring her to stick with the lesser title of Princess Consort. The Daily Mail's editor-at-large says that in true Game of Thrones style, there could be a bit of a battle over the crown. Charles can only make uh, Camilla his Queen with consent. It's not just the consent of the, of the wider public in this country, but right around the world uh, in those Commonwealth nations where he will be head of state. And there are two other figures involved, Prince William and Prince Harry. He needs to get them on board too. I think if you asked William and Harry today, I think they, they would probably be split on their views. I mean, we know that Harry is, is semi-estranged from his father and the rest of the royal family. That is a problem which has not been solved yet. If he doesn't, uh, then there is, there is the kind of danger of, of going back to the sort of medieval times um, when the heirs to the, to the monarch are sort of squabbling in the background because they don't like who's sitting on the throne. As talk of succession and titles loom, the Mail's royal editor says improving the Duchess's popularity should be a priority for the firm especially as among the British press, Camilla is one of the favourites. She's fun, she's engaging, uh, she's warm, she knows what works for you as a journalist. And actually when you speak to the people that meet her on engagements, ten times out of ten they'll go, oh, she was really nice, wasn't she? But of course that doesn't seem to get reflected in the national polls. Um, so that is an image perception problem for Clarence House. And I think it's one that if it's not troubling them, it should. I think another kind of interesting question is how much it means to her as well, because I've heard very differing views on this. One that whenever you raise the issue of polls with her, she's very enigmatic. She smiles, she says nothing, she doesn't react. Other people have said to me, actually, I think she would quite like it. But she's not one to force an issue. Um, um, so I think it would have to be forced for her, put it that way. Although there are promising signs, Charles may need to convince doubters both outside and inside the palace if he is to ascend the throne with Camilla as queen by his side. Well, Jess King reporting there. And Richard, despite all the work that Camilla does and all the work that the palace have done on her image, people do seem to have quite long memories when it comes to Camilla and her former role. Yeah, 
Poor Camilla. I mean, despite all that effort that's gone into the PR campaign, uh, public opinion doesn't seem to have shifted much, does it? What, 14% want her to be... I'm amazed it's it's that low, really. Because like Rebecca says, anyone who meets her and journalists are always um, warm to Camilla. Um, but will that situation change? I... Um, I doubt it, really. So it is a problem for Prince Charles, definitely. Do you think it's ger- generational, though? Because young people like Camilla, and they see it as a love story that, you know, has played out well in the end. And in the end, two people that love each other ended up getting married, and she has every right to be the queen. I mean, that's what my generation think. I know you're in a very mm. different, much older generation. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I think it's a generational thing, don't you? I, I'm not sure, because I think particularly with The Crown, where... You know, it was documenting yeah. um, the Princess Diana and their um, their divorce. You know, it really set her back um, a lot. It's, it's caused real problems. You know, I had my daughter saying to me, you know, I didn't know how awful Prince Charles mm. was. And, and yeah. that's because they, they watch this program and they take it as gospel. Um, so I think that has been a real problem. You know, maybe we need an alternative sort of drama. We need a new... Yeah drama giving Camilla's um, side of things. I'd watch that. (laughs) I think I would as well. Uh, Charlotte, we know that Prince Harry has got uh, a memoir coming out in the autumn. Now, if he were to make some unflattering comments about Camilla in this, could that potentially be a problem? Gosh, the the, the palace must be so nervous about this book because, um, yeah, he could do that. He could do that. And it is quite well known that of the brothers, Harry um, is the one that's likes Camilla the least, shall we say. And Kate is very fond of Camilla. And William, I think, has been on the fence in the past, but now is very much um, seeing her as part of the future. And and the unity in the family is the most important thing. So if Harry decided to write negative things about Camilla, it would just be a disaster for them, wouldn't it? And it would set them back years. And I just hope that he doesn't play that card because it's just a cruel and needless thing to do once you've left the royal family, I think. I do worry about it. I mean, when you saw the Oprah interview, it looked like Harry was deliberately trying to hurt his father. He was saying things which he really knew would be painful. And if he continues in that vein, then maybe he would want to say something negative about Camilla to upset his father. That really is what came across. I hope that's not the case. Um, But we will find out later this year when, when the book's published. And last question to both of you. Do you think that she will be queen or not? Definitely. I love Camilla. She's fab. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, if you're married to the king, you're the queen. That's sort of the fact. But I don't think Prince Charles will want to change what he's said before, that she will be the princess consort, because he won't want to do anything to endanger his own popularity. So, no. Queen or Prince's consort, we will see. Well, that's all we have time for this week on Palace Confidential. Many thanks to Rebecca English, Charlotte Griffiths and Richard Eden. Do join us again next week for more when Joe Elvin will be back in the hot seat. Goodbye.